Welcome to Beyond the Pink Cloud, the podcast where we talk about moving forward in our lives through recovery and navigating the world with grace, ease, and humor. We've got tools and strategies from the experts to help you live with less stress and increased ease. Let's get into today's episode. My beautiful buttercup friends, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is a a really great episode with Beth Erlander, who is a grief expert, and we really get into a broad scope of of what grief is and how it affects all of us. Beth is such a wise a wise woman on this topic, both from her own personal experience as well as through her professional work. So I think you will get a lot out of the episode and it's very sweet. And I know grief can be a topic that maybe seems not that fun to talk about. I don't know that this episode is fun, but I think our conversation is is heartfelt and lively and and offers a lot of, of insight. So I do hope you enjoy it. And how's everything in your world? We are nearing the end of January 2021. It's difficult to believe at times. And I hope all of you are enjoying radiant health and taking good care of yourselves, really, whatever that looks like for you. I think some of you know I've been studying a new healing modality called Shiwamurti. It originates from Bali. And so I've spent the last seven weeks doing a a class to become a level one healer in in this modality. And it's been really amazing to commit to the daily practice that comes with this. And I have to say, I've noticed a lot of deepening and and grounding and calm sort of to my already my already vast wellspring of calm I think this practice has solidified that and, and deepened that for me so it's been really incredible and this Saturday my teachers are actually hosting a free social healing event so I wanted to mention it here to my audience and my lovely listeners if anyone wants to come check this work out at the healing event if anyone wants to come and receive a healing if you have any niggling aches or pains or anything that's been bothering you and you want to try this Balinesian healing modality out, come check it out. I'll put a link in the comments. Registration's required, so I I do need to um, know if you want to sign up ahead of time. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. I hope that, I just hope everyone's doing well and really from my heart to yours, I'm, I'm, expanding my own universal love consciousness as as kind of silly as that sounds I really do mean it and I you know hold and feel you all in my heart so thank you for spending this time with me and as always if you like the podcast please tell a friend Uh, please subscribe like the show that would be great you can even leave a review all of those things help the podcast to grow and to bring our our experts out to more and more people in the world and enjoy the episode with Beth Erlander. I'll see you next time. Hi, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. And today I have with me Beth Erlander. And Beth is a creative grief support practitioner. She's also a licensed professional counselor in the state of Colorado. And Beth has a private practice focusing in grief, loss, and trauma reconciliation. She's a transpersonal art therapist and a certified EMDR therapist as well. And her main passion is using creative somatic approach to helping others navigate grief. And Beth, thank you so much for being here with us today. 
Thanks, Alice. It's a pleasure, really. Oh, it's so I'm so glad we found the time. And I was telling Beth before we started recording, this is actually my first interview of 2021. So thanks for being the, the way to ring in the, the new year here on the podcast. Yeah, I think it's significant to start with grief in 2021. It, re- it really is. And that's I that's definitely a point that I want to come back to is just sort of all, all the the grief that we have collectively experienced through the past year with COVID. Um, but I'd like to hear more about your own story about what led you into specializing in the, the area of grief. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's see where to start. So I guess the biggest thing for me, um, was experiencing my own personal loss and trauma and, um, Yeah, this happened in 2012 when my life partner, we'd been together for three years, uh, crashed on his mountain bike on a beautiful late August day um, and broke his neck and became a quadriplegic. Wow. So I really talk about at that time that my life completely went upside down. And as we were navigating, um, I call it medical trauma drama. It's a good word. Good term. Yeah. So being in the ICU for 45 days and then transferring to a rehab hospital in Denver and all the while navigating uh, my own, um, like my own loss with that, as well as the loss of that as a couple and, and dealing with all of that, as well as at the time I was running my business as well as a psychotherapist. And I had a private practice both in Denver and in Boulder and, um, you know, so I maintained that while also doing everything else. And, and while that was all happening, I had this, I'm very curious person. And because I've also learned a lot about the body and I consider myself kind of a body geek, um, I just was intensely curious about what was happening for myself and my community. And I even had a little voice say to me, my own voice say, pay attention to this because this is gonna come in handy someday. Um, And in 2015 is when I actually named the name of my business, The Grief, I was Beth Erlander, AKA The Grief Freak. Um, And freak to me uh, meant that I was passionate about grief but it also had a meaning of, I I felt like a freak because my loss wasn't a typical normal death loss. Um, And a lot of people I have found um, associate grief with death. Absolutely. And there's so much more to loss and grief than just death loss. So is there almost, I don't know if this was part of your experience, but I feel like this does come up on, on varying degrees of like, well, because your, your partner didn't, didn't die is there was there a lot of I, I want to say this in the most sensitive way possible I was going to use the word pushback but I don't think that's really correct but but more like an invitation to count your blessings because he is still alive and I'm sure you certainly would but do you feel like that almost mitigates the, the one's ability to grieve when maybe the the grief isn't as severe as a death loss or or you know like I mentioned earlier even with just the little trickles of grief as it comes through? Have you found that either personally or in your work? Um, It was a very confusing time um, because I remember 
seeking out grief groups, um, as well as I, I was reading everything that I could get my hands on about the grief process. And some of the books that I found early on only mentioned it as death loss. And so I actually started speaking out loud while reading and life transitions mm -hmm. and other losses, just to name it for myself, to put it in my own body of like, this is also a grief process. So, um, and I remember also being my own body being very confused. Like he's not dead, but he is dead, but he's not, you know, like it, it didn't make sense. And so I had a, I really had a hard time with that. Um, yeah. Like I said, I felt like a little bit like a freak. I mean, and grief makes you feel like that anyway. Um, so yeah, it was just a very confusing time. Yeah, I could see that. Are there, and I love that you mentioned that you actually did the practice of adding out loud that this is something that is a death. This is what's happening for you. I think that's a good invitation to anyone who's going through, through something similar. And someone mentioned earlier today about identifying grief with the loss of identity, whether that's um, the loss of identity of your relationship, the way it was and being able to do things the way that you were doing them together or loss of identity of self, even through something like a job transition, like with these sort of smaller level things in life, is it okay to think about that as also a grief process? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Because we get so attached to who we think we are. Um, I think that's especially true with any kind of like, uh, like a career or a job. Um, yeah. I think it's a good thing to every once in a while ask yourself, like, who am I without all of this? Um, also because everything, you can lose everything in an instant. Um, you could lose a job, you could lose your abilities, you could you lose a relationship, um, a pet. I'm trying to think of all the other losses that are not death related. Certainly death loss for sure is a huge, is a huge whammy as well. So yeah. Yeah. Any, any um, thoughts or I don't want to, well, I'll just say like tips or practices or mindset shifts that people could use who are going through a loss, like a job loss. Because I think again, with COVID, there's probably been a significant amount of that either transitions, um, even just to working from home where maybe before I was more of this career type person, I would go in and have these interactions in my office. And now I'm someone who's home with, you know, my two little kids all day trying to do my job on the computer. I feel like even that is a, is a loss in itself. Yeah. And and yet we, we aren't quite able to, I think, talk about it or recognize that as grief. Any ways to help people to be able to, to recognize that for what it is and move through it more gracefully? I think the first step is to recognize that it is a loss and that there is grief there. And it's important to find people that you can share that with and you can have um, conversations around, here's what I'm struggling. Here's, here are my sorrows right now. Here's what I'm grieving. Um, because I think there's something that happens when we name it and when it's acknowledged and when it's witnessed, um, it's like we're, we're held. I think that's the first step for moving with it. And there's something about also, I think in the grief world, there's this uh, linear model, which is, it's a beautiful model. It's where we've, I mean, um, it's gotten it 
to where we are recently. And here we are now with like the, I'm talking about the typical five stages of grief, which I think is a, the myth of grief. Um, like we, we need to acknowledge that it isn't about a linear process and getting through to the other side of it. Although I talk about getting to the other side of grief, but I think grief is a process that has to be integrated because if it's, a, if it's truly a big, huge loss in your life, you're gonna keep having to live with it throughout the rest of your existence. So I often talk about what needs to happen is that you need to befriend grief. And I think in this culture in the United States, there's a lot about like letting go and getting through it and, and living without it or putting it behind, having closure. Exactly. Yeah. And so I speak a lot about befriending it, which is not an easy thing to do. No. What does that look like? Like, how does one go about even beginning to befriend it? Because you're absolutely right. There's so much, I see this a lot in my work too, with like stress or trauma where people are just like, well, I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to just release it. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) That's a great idea. But do we have a magic button that's just great. Now it's gone. Um, so what are some ways that we can, we can start to befriend grief? And I love what you said too. I just wanted to acknowledge what you said about being witnessed in it with other people. I think that's hugely important. Yeah. Well, again, I think it's about acknowledging like this is a, this is a part of who I am. It, um, like I, I often see it as you know, when, when grief happens, you're shattered, you know, so your world explodes and then the pieces start to fall. And then it's like, you're sitting there in the rubble and these things are falling. And it's like, you have to pick up one and be like, all right, this was part of who I used to be. Does this still fit? Mm. Yes. I'm going to keep it. What about this part? This part no longer fits. So I'm going to put this aside. And so it's like a befriending it is a integration process um, in, in that regard, as well as allowing all the feelings that are arising and knowing that it's a cyclical process. So it's like, instead of having shame around, oh God, here I am, I'm angry and really depressed again. It's like, okay, here I am. It's this part of grief again. Here I am in this cycle, um, this part of the circle. Do you find there's an impatience with people just wanting to like be on that other side or to, or to get over it? Because I know there's, there is that linear view of grief and it's like, okay, well, after six months, you know, you should kind of be done grieving by now. I think is this underlying view that we have about grief. Maybe that comes from that linear model. Absolutely. You- Absolutely. And I wanted it. I, I went through that myself. I wanted to be done. <laughs> I'll never forget. So So the accident happened in August and I was sent away on a trip by his family um, in February of the following year, so 2013. And I was in Mazatlan, Mexico at a resort trying to have a a grief retreat. Um, I wrote a blog about that. It was kind of entertaining because it just was pretty awful (laughs) to go to Mexico by myself at that time. And it was also Valentine's Day weekend, which was just bad timing, but anyway, I did a ritual at the end on the beach 
um, I drew a labyrinth in the sand and I put um, a cairn or a pile, like a, a rock structure in the middle. Mm -hmm. And on those rocks, I had drawn things I was letting go of with charcoal and I just made it messy and I was messy. And, and then I sat back and I waited and I wanted the water, the waves were coming closer. So the tide was coming in. And I just thought, okay, I'm gonna wait. I have to stay and see the cairn fall. And it took forever, Alice. It took, <laughs> I sat there and I was getting cold. And it, the weather wasn't that great that time of year. But anyway, um, I then actually was like getting really frustrated with how long it was taking. So I actually went to move the cairn closer to the water. And then all of a sudden this huge wave came just to like tease me. So I was like, all right, I'll put it back. It's almost time for it to crash. And, and then like, maybe five minutes later, this big wave came and, and, and it fell down. But for me, that lesson was you can't, you can't force the grief process. It has its own timing and its own pacing. And you can't, you can't, you can't quicken it. It happens as it happens. So again, it's about befriending it and being there with the process of it. And what I think eventually when we get to, it's funny, I'm going to contradict myself, the other side of it, when mm -hmm. you're on the other side of that, then there are lessons that you learn and you get to a place of making meaning from what's happening. And then you might also know who you are now. Yeah. Cause you've put more of those like pieces of the mosaic back together that you've picked yeah. up. I, I really like that imagery. And I almost think of it when you were talking about it, it's not so much like walking over a bridge to get to the other side, but it's almost like expanding concentric circles where maybe you're, you know, more on the outer edge where the grief isn't quite so close and you're not right. having the, like the waves aren't crashing, the waves of grief aren't crashing quite so frequently. And, and so in that regard, maybe you are on this outer part of the circle versus, you know, the other side. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Like expanding our capacity almost to be, to be, to be in friendship with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I love again, that image, as you know, I work with women in, in recovery from alcohol frequently. And I know when like a, about a week before I quit drinking, I was sitting by this river and in Hawaii and it felt like I was looking at the pieces of my life everywhere around me. Like everything had just shattered. My insides felt shattered. A lot of the actual physical reflection was pretty crappy too. Um, and, and I think this is something that's really important for anyone who's giving up any kind of a substance because I work with alcohol. I'll speak to that point, you know, yeah. but this could be with food or, or anything else like that. There really is a grief process and letting go, not just of who we who we were as using, but with the substance itself. And I see this a lot in women in recovery of like, uh, like alcohol was like my everything, you know, it was always there. Even, even if the relationship was terrible, it was this relationship I could depend on. I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on that or ways for, to help make that a little easier for people. Wow. Well, that's a big area. It is it's like a huge question. <laughs> Well, one thing I do know for sure is that if you want to work with your grief and befriend your grief, you need to look at your and limit your intake of alcohol. Mm. Um, 
because that's going to just get in the way and prolong it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's because yeah. you're not feeling, you're cutting off your ability to feel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you would have to just have that context of, uh, I like what you just said about the, you know, when you widen out and you can have more perspective and then just notice as you, cause it's a process, I'm sure. It's not something that I've had to deal with. Um, um, and that's not also my area of expertise with addictions, sure. but I would imagine that it's just a, it's a, it's a big process of using again, noticing that what happened, why you did, and then widening out to let it go um, and to, to, to do it differently. And then, you know, that in itself would be a huge process. Yeah. Of alcohol. Definitely some rewiring. I think of the neural circuitry too, just as far as looking at, you know, what brings me pleasure. I can no longer, or I'm choosing to no longer press this one button. So giving it time and space to, to acknowledge like, I got to, I've got to train myself to press this other button and that's not going to happen instantly. Um, but I think it is really important to acknowledge that as, as a loss and as grief. And I find that is not always so prevalent, I guess, in the recovery world or in the 12 step world. So I just think it's worth mentioning that if, if people are struggling, then it's okay to understand that you are, you are grieving a loss. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it also, um, there's an attachment there, right? Um, even though it's a, they've, um, like they were using it as a negative thing in their life. It became this negative thing. I'm just trying to, I'm seeing that it, there's a, there's a, there's a link there between like losing someone or losing something that you loved, like, Mm -hmm. um, the path that I thought I was going with my able-bodied partner. Um, I think one of the reasons why we're grieving is that we're so attached to that. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And how about since we are still in this place of COVID and we've spent basically the last year, almost we're coming up on a year of really a lot of these lockdowns of big events being canceled and people having to miss significant events in their life, graduations, weddings, um, even things like baby showers. And I feel like we're all grieving on some extent, some of these losses of, uh, I mentioned I had a, and this sounds, this sounds dumb, but I think this is what we do. I had to cancel a snowboarding trip and I, and I had to grieve it. I really did. And, and then there's this part of my brain that wants to tell me, oh my God, that's so dumb. Your life is so great. You have all these wonderful things. Like how, how dare you like be upset about this? And I think we do this. And so that's why I share my own experience with that. It's like, well, it's not that bad. So I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't feel grief around it. Right. Um, and so just, I guess, I don't know, ways that we can acknowledge that or be gentle with ourselves or use some sort of a, a grief process to, to recognize all the things we have given up this past year, even if we still have wonderful lives. Yeah. Um, so I'm probably going to contradict myself again here. Oh, but- that's, that's allowed on this show. <laughs> <laughs> grief is grief. Um, and yes, there is, um, I, I, I totally get the thought process of like, well, it's just a snowboarding trip. It, 
you know, and you can compare. We're so good in the West, in the West of comparing. Like, well, it's not as bad as like, you know, my friend who lost her father to COVID. Right. You know, so we we do that, and that's okay to do, I think. But then I also want to just name like grief is grief because you're attached to what you're attached to, and and your emotions are going to arise. So would it be different if you lost somebody? Absolutely, It'd probably be a lot worse. But you're also still grieving something that used to give you great joy. Um, and I'm, I'm quoting uh, one of my grief mentors who I still mourn for. Um, she's an African elder named Sabam Fusome. And she's the one that I learned grief ritual from. And she was the one that said, you know, oh my goodness, here in the West, you guys love to compare like who has the worst grief. Yeah. You know, and then it belittles like, well, then I, I really shouldn't be grieving because my grief isn't as big as your grief. Right. Um, and she just stopped that nonsense by just saying grief is grief. Mm. And you, there's no judgment of whose grief is worse or what, because we're all, it's all the same, you know, in a way grief is all the same. And yet in that grief, it's, it's different. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I love that. It's so important for people to hear that. Yeah. Like grief is grief and it's not, why do, why are we so comparative in this culture? So bizarre. Life would be so much easier if we weren't that way. I think. Could you have a magic button for that, Beth? (laughs) Can we fix that right now? I'm trying. I'm trying. You know, one of the things I'm passionate about is normalizing grief and teaching others to grieve as well as you know recently I started teaching other therapists and health and wellness practitioners how to grieve like how to get it's a dual purpose group they get support for their grief and then they also learn how to help others grieve better so whoever they're working with because there's so much grief right now and i was thinking i was a little overwhelmed lately thinking about how am i going to reach how am i going to help more people because i only have about 15 20 slots for one on ones mhm but i want i have this passion i want to help people grieve better so right now i'm on this mission to help other practitioners learn to grieve better Wonderful. That's great. And I mean, is there, I know there's such a thing as secondary trauma with practitioners who work with, um, you know, clients or patients who have undergone trauma and and that can become difficult and on the practitioner as well. Is there like a secondary grief that you found or would you name that something else? That's a really good question because I know we talk about secondary grief and we talk about our secondary trauma or vicarious trauma. Mm I, I, I don't know if anybody's named it at that, but it makes sense because I think sometimes grief and trauma are linked together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they have to be at, you know, at least on some level somewhere. Um, Yeah. And I don't think we're wired for this much trauma and grief to be happening in the, as well as like we, in the modern world, we're like inundated by social media and our feeds and the news and, like, unless we turn that off, we're getting so much information and news around, you know, even just this awareness around how many people are dying of COVID. Yeah. Um, 
which also makes me think like, well, let's look at what it was the year before with the flu and the year before that, like, you know, perspective in a way. And one of the gifts right now because of COVID is this awareness on death and looking at death and having it. Cause I think that's one of the problems in the West is that we have this, like this, we don't talk about death. It's not part of our life, but it is right. a part of our life. I know it's like we're all the, gonna die. the only constant of life is right. death. Yet we, I was thinking about this this morning, like how, yeah, it's just this, this dark sort of hole that we only deal with at when we have to, and, right. and it's always negative and only negative and yeah. Yeah. It's not like that. You've studied other, cause you went to Naropa, right? I did. You did. So that's like a Buddhist oriented philosophy. It's a Buddhist based university and they do a lot of, um, uh, like a lot, there's a lot of therapy training there. I think they've changed the names of them all there at this point, but I was part of the transpersonal department and actually got a degree in art therapy concentration. So neat. Yeah. Do you use that a lot in your work? I don't actually. It's something that I want to bring back in 2021. I mean, that's actually part of becoming a creative grief support practitioner. Um, uses a lot of creative methods and art and journaling. Um, yeah, so I want to I want to bring more art back into my practice as well as um, you know I didn't officially study it, but now at Naropa they have a wilderness therapy department, and actually I do. Well, wow. I use nature a lot mm -hmm. um, in my own practice and in my own personal world. And then I want to bring it into the world of my clients as well. And uh, I have Sabamfu Somme to thank for that because doing grief ritual with her is one of the things that I found to help me with my grief um, of my partner's accident um, was the use of grief ritual and bringing in the natural world um, to help with the grief process. Yeah, I think it's imperative. I use, I mean, I don't work with grief in particular, but I are specifically, but I love, I want to look at that program now. I love bringing the natural world into, I mean, it's just part of who we are. I think it's yeah. so imperative. Is When you talk about grief ritual, are there, I, I don't know how much of that you can share, but are there like particular rituals that it would be helpful for people to know about that you could share now or any pieces of rituals that you like to walk people through or could share with us? Well, the interesting thing with the pandemic and and no longer being able to meet in person and no longer be in groups, we had to stop doing grief rituals um, because it was out on the land, um, being in nature, which was really important for doing ritual um, and being a part of a community. Um, so I actually started to do them online. <laughs> Um, back in April of 2020 and um, was basically just bringing it into my own home and my ritual space here, trying to bring nature in. And, and you know, I, I created my own song for it and I did the invocation and I helped people do some kind of process, but it's online. Okay. And I think it only goes so far online. I don't, I think this year I'm going to change it it's it's more of a grief practice and it's not specifically grief ritual because ritual is done in community and with dirt under your feet 
mm. and the sun above, you know, mm. it's like, we got to be outside and we need to be in a circle yeah. um, in order for it to be grief ritual. So I'm looking forward to gathering in person when we can do that again someday. And I, you know, I'm trying to, to, to gather the people that I do grief ritual with, um, to be like, we, we need to, we need to do a big one or we need to do weekly ones or something when we can finally gather, because I think there's going to be a lot of unprocessed grief that yes. be processed. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, I'm curious too, when you do, and I know we've kind of talked about this in contradictory terms, but like when there, when there is the other side or the, the more expanded concentric circle of that view works better for, for people. I think that, that helps me. Yeah. Um, what are some hallmarks, I guess, of that state versus like being more in that, that really tight, um, more fresh grief maybe versus like yeah. after we've, how, how do we know or. Well, I think one thing is that even to um, be aware that you're there is one thing because uh, I, I I have this exercise that I give to people called the ripples of loss. And it's like what you're talking about, these concentric circles. And the, the first circle is just your loss. And then the second one is your loss is because of that loss or secondary losses. And then I, it's hard for me to remember the third one, but some other journal exercise. And then the outside is like, what are the takeaways? What have you learned? What have you gained? Mm. What are those gems that you're taking with you? that have come because they've been tossed in the waves of grief. You know, it's like a grain of sand becomes a pearl, right? So the fact that you can hold on to, or you can like, oh, here's a gem. Here's something that I'm grateful for. Even though I still have all this loss and grief and I still have the pain, I can also feel the joy, even if it's just for a moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's one thing. I like that. It's important to recognize when that happens. Yeah. Because somebody who, and some of my clients have actually said this to me because it's too soon. So they're too, either they're, they're still in the acute stage um, or they're just not able to see it, but they've actually said, look, how dare you ask me to look at like, what is the gem of this loss? Yeah. There's nothing right now that I can see that is good. And that's fine. Like that's where they're at, you know? Um, when I allow them to be there, like I, there's, you know, I remember somebody once saying to me when it was very early on, like for, well, for as low as you go in your grief, you're going to go just as high. Hmm. And I remember thinking that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and I've actually, I've had moments like that. Mm -hmm. But I'm also in my ninth year post-accident yeah so it's a process and it's a slow process as one of my mentors um who i adore his work uh francis weller talks about grief work is slow work and it is soul work yeah it is yeah it is it's it's you know, I think that again, back to that metaphor of all the pieces everywhere, it's like, we're, we're putting ourselves back together, like from the inside out, really. It's like the mosaic or the, all the pieces yeah. are within us. And yeah, it's, it's soul work is a good way to put it. 
Yeah. And I like how you just name, like you're putting yourself back together from the inside out. It, it then speaks like we're raw Mm -hmm. and um, vulnerable and we need extra layers of protection. I think somehow we need to be cushioned. We need to be, there's something, something about that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's like jagged edges, you know, on the pieces and it's, I think cushioning, thinking about what, what do we have that can help us cushion, like being witnessed by someone else, whether that's a therapist or a counselor or support group, but I can't say enough about how important that is. Yeah. 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 It makes me think too, one client, um, had a great metaphor for grief. She said, grief is like having to wear an itchy wool bodysuit hmm. that you can never take off. Mm. It's a great visual and image, right? sensory image. Right. It's like you have to, that's where you have to like, yeah, get comfortable with discomfort and it yeah. really sucks. It does. It yeah. does. It's, it's one of the biggest thing I say to women early in recovery too, who are struggling. It's like, well, I just, I want to come out of my skin. And I'm like, you, you you're going to be uncomfortable. You've got to just accept it. And it sucks and it won't always be there, but it's, you do, you've got to make friends with that itchy wool sweater as hard as it is. I don't really even know how you do it except for you do, you know, you breathe, you find the, the little patches of skin that start to slowly break through of the sweater and focus on those. Right. Right. Yeah. Are there any, um, I know we talked about this a little bit before we started. I'm just curious, just, I don't know. I'm just curious about like physiological symptoms of grief or physiological Mm -hmm. responses to grief that you see across the board in people. Well, that's interesting that you talk about that because I right now, um, am working with a woman, uh, Alicia Fajardo, And then one other woman who's also a somatic experiencing practitioner, because I'm really curious about um, the grief process and how it specifically affects the nervous system Mm -hmm. and the physiology of the body. And um, recently I learned with Alicia that uh, we have seven different valves in the body for breathing. And when we're in a parasympathetic state, they're all working together. So everything is working, our lymphatic system, our respiration, our digestion, all of that is working together in community. Mm -hmm. And when we are under stress and we are in fight or flight and our sympathetic nervous system is activated, those all shut down and they work separately. So it's harder to breathe. It's harder to digest. I mean, yeah your lymph stops to like, I don't know if it stops working, but it doesn't work as well. Like things don't work as well. I find fascinating because I'm like, I don't know. I think it's the body geek in me. That's just like, wants to know specifically like what's happening and why is the body shutting down? Because I remember early on in my grief, I just felt heavy. Mm -hmm. People said, Oh, you should go on walks daily. You should do yoga. And I was just like, I know. Yeah. I can't. Like I, I can't barely get up. I can barely get up. I remember looking at a plate of food and being like, that has to go in here. I have to eat that. So, I mean, I think that's, that's a reminder in early grief, like to do what you can and to, to make it as easy as possible. Like, can you eat, can you sip on broth or 
fruit juice or, you know, water that's got um, minerals and salt and things that your body actually needs, but it's going to be, you know, what's the minimum so that you can maintain it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah, but I'm really, I'm really curious about this and I'll probably have more to, to talk about later on in the year as I'm diving into the physiology. Yeah. I'm curious too. I wonder if those six valves relate to like the different diaphragms in our body. Um, Betsy Politon talks about that and goes into yeah. like some really beautiful explanations in her book, um, Humanual. I was just reading about that the other day. That's and, cool. you know, I learned about the different diaphragms in PT school, but just thinking about them as it relates to more our autonomic nervous system. And right. I'm, I'm curious too, because I just taught this class um, on Saturday, a little workshop you know, talking about the autonomic nervous system and the sympathetic, which houses just for anyone listening, both the sympathetic and the parasympathetic system. And I, I showed this little diagram where you can see like the vagal nerve involvement in all of our organ systems when the parasympathetic system is switched on. And so when our sympathetic system, when we're in like that high sympathetic override, I wonder if part of it is just like that, that vagus nerve isn't able to input at all or in the same way when we're, when we don't have access to coming back into a more parasympathetic state. And that's part of what's going on, you know, like, like why things aren't all communicating together through this nice long, you know, cranial nerve. Right. Now it's all, we're relying on different neural pathways and that communication isn't the same. Yeah. That's so cool. So fascinating. Yeah. yeah, it is fascinating, right? I think that that gives me then my next question for Alicia when I meet with her next, like, what is happening to the valves? Yeah. There's one on the top of the head, one underneath the brain, two, there's like one in the throat. And then I think there's the di- the typical one that we all know, the diaphragm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm forgetting where the other ones are. And then there's two underneath each sole of the foot. Yeah. I think it's just, I think it's the diaphragms. You should check out this humanual book. I keep raving about it. Um, she's got pictures and she's an SCP and she, um, she's just, I'm a huge, huge, I interviewed her a few weeks ago and I'd read this book and I was like, this is incredible. Um, but it really, yeah. And it just talks about when we are under that strain, how the, the autonomic system, like, isn't those diaphragms or the valves aren't able to freely breathe and like open and close just the way that our, you know, our, our regular respiratory diaphragm works. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's cool. I'd love to hear what you, uh, what you find out or your, in your interpretation of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Well, Beth, thank you for coming on, um, today. Is there anything, I know you have a program that's coming up soon, or is there anything else that you would just like to share with the audience about grief or, or moving through grief or processing, um, that we haven't already touched on today? Well, I will just say like, so the group that I'm doing um, is about, it's called Tending the Tenders and it's grief support for therapists and wellness practitioners. Um, so they're going to get support, but then they're also going to learn some of the tips and tricks that I use for working with grief. Um, and so I talk a lot about the body and grief, how to support the body. Um, I talk a lot about grief ritual and why that's important to find your community. Mm. Um, and then I talk a lot about some of, uh, the way that Francis Weller works with grief. And he also studied with, um, the Daggera tradition, which is where Sabanfu comes from. So there's some crossover there. Um, but I think it's important, um, 
for people to learn this. And I want more and more people to know because I want more and more people to know how to be with the discomfort of life. Yeah. Which is certainly what we're living through right now from 2020 to 2021. I still think we're sort of, I would keep writing 2020, but then I put the one through the zero. Like we're still mm. in this time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so. we absolutely are. Yeah. And I mean, also, I just want to mention that I'm no longer the grief freak um, because I think, and well, I've, I, that was my own personal process in some ways. And it was a bold move to have that as my, my business name. Definitely. And I think it scares some people away. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting her inside. She's no longer at the front door. The front door is now this grief. I'm the grief friend. Cause I want to be, I want to be, I want more people to come in. Yeah. It's lovely. Um, Cause grief is a freaky process. And so, you know, I want to, I want to teach more people how to befriend grief. So, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. It's a big change. It's happening like right now, right? It's happening. It'll be happening. My web person is doing it today. It'll be fresh tomorrow and I'll be BethErlander.com, your cool. friend in grief. I love it. Yeah. I'll need to talk to you too, right? On kind of the day or the day before that all um, big changes going on. Yeah. Timely. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on here. This Definitely. Really it's been great to speak with you. And I know our audience has, has picked up some pearls of wisdom and um, we'll post your website and then the information on your, your course, you said starts January, the end of January. What was the date again? January 27th. It's on a January 27th. Okay. Sometimes I say, come have grief for lunch. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. Um, certainly is needed. We need support and we need tools to, to befriend grief. Cause it, you know, just like death, it's a part of being human. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Beth. You're and welcome, Alice. We'll see you soon. Okay.